The 2TM News Podcast with Romy Gilbert and Tim Coates, all thanks to Super Steel Tamworth. There's Steel, and then there's Super Steel Tamworth. Joining us in the studio today, we have Fiona Singh. Hi, Fiona. Hi, how are you doing? Good, and the um, the professional in the studio, Romy Gilbert. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. The unprofessional Tim Coates. And on the other end of the telephone during the four-way conversation, the one, the only, and the immaculately groomed James Cooper. Hello, mate. How are you? Yeah, look, I'm sensational. Look, we just thought today um, Fiona's got a profile of, of being in a few sports, and we just want to have the conversation about how hard it is or how easy it is or what opportunities there are for people with a special ability or a disability to play sport within this region and then progress on. So maybe, Fiona, you could start by sort of telling us your story. Okay. I came out of rehab in 2015. Then six months after that, I picked up a tennis racket. And so I started playing professionally for five years and I ended up falling out of love with it. And then I transitioned over to badminton, where this is my new love, my new life, my new family, my everything. Well, and Coops, NIAS um, does have some Lone Star athletes and other athletes who go through the program um, with support who have a special ability or a disability, yeah? Yeah, 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 we do. We have a, an AWD component um, or an athlete with disability component to our Lone Star program um, and it's it's often um, tailored to the, the sport that uh, they choose to, to compete in and, and we look to support where appropriate and, de- and depending on um, you know what their what their, their level of competition is as an athlete at that that chosen time and and then we'll try and push them down the pathway not only within their their chosen sport but through things like the, the state institutes and uh, and if it's an Olympic aligned sport, then obviously uh, along that pathway as well. Well, you know, that's good to hear. And um, is the academy have an exit point for age, though, um, for athletes? Um, in, in the sense that we take kids, uh, we take AWD athletes outside of our regular age okay. bracket. Is that what you mean? Yeah, we yeah. do. So, um, <clears throat> again, it's a, it's a, a case-by-case um, basis, it particularly when, like, our, one of our most recent ones was Millie Mazzi from... Uh, Armadale, and she's uh, into into athletics um, and progressing uh, along the, the line. I think the, the Paralympics in Paris is the, the target for, for Mill, talking to Arnie, her mother. Um, but there's so many different classifications as well in that sport, as an example, yeah. um, as to what sort of competition and, and, and levels and where you can compete, because not every event caters for uh, every every uh, category or, or, or or um, classification, so it's a it's a, a difficult one in some instances. But our commitment as as an academy, and it's a commitment that uh, is, is driven above us as well through the Office of Sport and, and through the, the New South Wales Institute of Sport. Um, that they're driving the importance of the Paralympics, obviously, yeah. uh, and and we're in an Olympic year now, so it's uh, it's, it's it's very important. So we are an inclusive um, academy, which is great to hear. Sorry, Romy. No, that's okay. I was just going to, to say to Fiona, also your, your goal, ambition, what I believe is to get to Paris. Yeah, it is. And do you want to just tell us a little bit about your kind of athletic journey so far and your, what has been the biggest setbacks and where you've been, what you, where you've competed? and For tennis, I won bronze for Australia. I did. And then 
After that, then I transitioned over to badminton, as I was saying. Yeah. And with badminton, as you were saying about the pathways and about the classifications, yes, in badminton there is all different types of classification where I play in W1 field, which is the quad division. And we have, I would like to actually meet some of these people that you were speaking about, I would, and to see and speak to them about their journey as well, you know, because it's a really, it's a lonely journey if you haven't got the, the support networks around you, especially being here in the Northwest region, you know, so yeah, I would like to actually. Well, I'll ask, I'll ask the question then. So Coops, um, how hard would it be to, to start a conversation where Fiona could network with some of yes. the other people um, with a disability who are maybe on program or around program? Is there a network that you're aware of or that you're part of that could help Fiona with her journey? Oh, we could, uh, we could uh, most definitely. I mean, uh, the, the um, participants or athletes who've come into our academy, and I'm sure that there would be an opportunity or a platform there where we could open conversations. Um, it's also one, I'm actually in, in Wollongong at the moment on a regional academies conference, and down here um, with us is, is the CEO of NSWIS, Kevin Thompson, yep. um, we have a, a close working relationship with NSWIS, and um, you know, they're... they're uh, charter is to create world's best athletes or elite standard athletes and, and their target is medals at, uh, at major events and the Olympics is, is one of them and that's for both able-bodied and, and athletes with a disability as well. So uh, I'm sure there's conversations through the state institutes as well that could be uh, could be open because um, you know it's, it's, I can imagine how it would be a, it could be a lonely journey uh, as a life as an elite athlete in that space. What are some of the biggest challenges that you face being in a regional town as a, as a para-athlete? It's really like the coaching aspects and but we're really lucky we have Zoom meetings every two weeks with, the, with our team like tomorrow night we've got a Zoom meeting where we'll actually link up but when it comes to our pathways you have to strive to win all these events to be actually accepted and to be placed in the Paralympic uh, sector. You do in your actually sp actual sports. Is that the same as every other athlete, though? You have to actually you have to actually win things to progress. Yes, you do. You know. So, keeps in the pathways. Um, it, it isn't doesn't sound like a different journey, does it? I mean, no. access to coaches is the issue. Yeah, but it is. As far as the journey is, the journey's the same, isn't it, mate? Is that right? Oh, structurally, yeah. Um, but you're right. Um, access to coaches, access to competition can be challenging at at, yes. uh, at, at times. I know I was speaking to to Arnie Mazzy, Millie's mum, and she was talking about getting. Uh, being able to get to, particularly with COVID, the uh, enough competitions to make sure that Mill is one um, used to performing in a in a in, in that environment, but two um, is, is making sure that her name's relevant in the right spaces. So it's it's a it's a challenge, um, but yeah, the pathway structurally, uh, the pathways are, are quite similar. Yeah, and I think the other thing here, there's a lot of similarities between the able-bodied and the disabled athletes in relation to. Um, access to coaches. I mean, I know we've had some really good little sprinters around here in particular, and um, just one of the names escaped me at the minute, but they were basically training here with, with Adam Jolliffe or Wally mm -hmm. Warner, and then they had to 
transition if, if they if they could get access to them or training on a remote program and then they were going down to to sydney to access their actual coaches is that's still the case isn't it though yeah yeah it is and it's, it's like anything um the the your access to any sort of form of pathway your access to the top standard of, of coaching is also reliant on uh, a foundation of, of level of, or base level of funding yeah. um and there's we, the, the question came up here yesterday during the conference to say well how much money do you think um that people the government should be investing in the sport and the answer is simple there's no amount of money that they can deliver that couldn't be spent if you're talking infrastructure um <clears throat> access to high performance training environments uh, coach development and elite standard coach engagement you, they, they wouldn't be they won't get enough money out of a budget because there's so many other priorities um like education and health and roads and and that they've got to spend uh, significantly more amounts of money on, so there's, there's 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 no amount of money that we couldn't couldn't spend as a sporting cohort. But it's it's about trying to break down the barriers uh, that stop people from accessing the pathway or um, you know competitions, coaching, that sort of stuff. All right, now I'm going to take the conversation in a different direction with sponsorship. I mean, obviously COVID was a particularly tough year for for anybody with sponsorship. It doesn't matter what sport you're in or whether you're a community of not-for-profit, doesn't matter. There was hardly any money around. Um, going forward, mate, how, if you're going to give some advice to, to Fiona, what would it be? How, how can she make herself marketable? What's the, what's the opportunities as you see them? Oh, it's, it's, there's sponsorship um, or, or engagement in that space is really, there's two different categories you look at. One is those that are, um, they invest into a passion. So you find someone who's passionate about a particular sport or a particular opportunity who potentially have been touched by something um, and, and they will in, invest in, into that. So Ronald McDonald House is a, good, is a good example of, you know, they provide a great service to families and then naturally enough they receive um, donations or, or partnerships on the back of that, yeah. uh, the other angle of, of sponsorship is those who are obliged to contribute back to the community. So clubs, um, or clubs New South Wales, but clubs are a, a great example. They have um, Category 1, 2 and 3 yeah. funding opportunities through clubs, and, and the way that works is um, there's a percentage of revenue that's taken from gaming that they must, uh, under these clubs grant schemes it's called, they must reinvest into um, particular communities and particular uh, projects, and and they're they're obliged to contribute back to community um, through this through this scheme. So they're probably that 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 clubs grant style scheme or those partners are the the most they're the easiest to engage. Um, but you're also right. Coming out of COVID, the 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 thing with COVID is it it, it impacted so many businesses, and and we our, our sponsorship. Uh, at the academy, we've bounced back reasonably well, but sponsorship at the academy dry, really dried up last year, and, and we had to, in some instances, we gave um, you know refunds on sponsors to sponsors to to try and you know be sympathetic to their their situation, um, and and that was about positioning yourself so that you come out of it in a strong, hopefully first in the queue uh, by making the right decision morally, but. Um, yeah, I'd say that the those that are obliged to, to contribute to community through partnerships are, are probably the easiest access in. And how far hard have you found it, Fiona, to get um, education around accessing grants and opportunities like that? Have you? Is there anything through badminton 
where you're training with, are they giving you any support in finding opportunity or coaching on how to get those opportunities? Not as such at the moment. Okay. So is that a whole coop that um, maybe your pro your elite athletes program that you do do? I know a partnership with many many wonderful people, and Warren Ansell's name springs to mind, and UNE <laughs> um, is another that springs to mind. Is that something that is accessible to um, the Lone Star athletes as well? Yeah, well, the Lone Star program, or that, that program that we offer, it's partnered by a club to, uh, out, in, out in Gunnedah. Um, but it's a, it's a program where we fund or, or contribute to financially. We, it's, we give a grant of $500 to each of the athletes, and that's to assist them um, in with travel and, and associated costs in getting to competitions that are typically state or national um, level. So... There is that component, but um, sort of the base of any partnership engagement or, or opportunity is is a relationship. You know, so many of our, our partners at NICE are, are on the back of, um, you know, consistency and communication and, and uh, relationship building over a number of years. Um, and that, that relationship is, is what what essentially secures um, any sort of partnership. So it's about finding people that are passionate and have a real passion for sport and providing opportunity and uh, and, and harnessing that relationship and making sure that you're letting them know, hey, this is the opportunity to come, you know, with me or with this organisation or whatever it is you're, you're partnering. So it's about creating a value proposition. Would that be? I mean, that's my words. That's probably the wrong way to put it, but um, it's either a feel-good or a value proposition. Is that right? Yeah, there's some. Uh, it depends. You know, some some of our our partners. Absolutely, we have a um, an agreement with with uh, a few partners where we our commitment is to have a presence back at their organisation. So we hold our awards nights at the West and at, at, at West and at the Armadale City Bowling Club, and that's part of a partnership proposal um, or, or a package with them that we have a presence back through their venue. Um, whereas others, uh, it's about branding, brand recognition, association. Uh, and we use then our social media platforms as a, as a good tool or, or uh, a strategy as far as pushing and promoting brands or, or of, of those that are associated um, with us. And we, we also have, and it's another partnership, but you know, with you guys at the, at the radio or if it's with, um, with the, the leader where we get a leader page every fortnight. And that's another important touch point as far as promotion, not only of what the athletes are doing and our programs are doing, but certainly of, of our academy partners um, more broadly and, and links between between that. The reality of the situation is, whilst, yes, it's it's our staff who, you know, develop the relationships with uh, our, the, the staff from from our partnership organisations, um, the, the really important part of it is that they see what our athletes are doing, they see the opportunities that are being provided, and that's what they're partnering in, in the end. All right, so turning the question back now to you, Fiona. Um, what if, you know, paint, paint it blue and you've got this microphone and you've got the opportunity, what, what do you take to the table for a potential sponsor based off of the back of what Coops has just put out there for us? I'm really blessed at the moment where I've got Ben, the bike shops around, around the corner. He fixes all my uh, wheels and uh, tubes and everything. And then I go to uh, Taekwondo three nights a week where it's adaptive um, taekwondo, so that's um, we're fit for it. And then I go up to Royal Fit 
where they look after me yeah. for my whole physical being to yeah. make me an absolute champion. <laughs> I love those guys, Andrew and all those. But with an actual sponsor, I, I've got a massive kind of work effort. I, like, I love my training. I put in 110%. I never, ever miss my training kind of opportunities. I never miss kind of competitions. And, and I'm willing to work hard and to prove that I can bring, bring home medals and everything where I'm already the Australian quad champion, females quad champion. But now, when I'm down in Melbourne again in October, I have to beat the boys. So we'll see. <laughs> Oh, look, you, look, if anybody can do it, you can do it. I yeah. mean, I think the other thing is that, you know, you mentioned those in-kind supporters. I mean, yeah. keeps, correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, they're as valuable as the cash supporters, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, without doubt. If, um, if you can find someone who's going to give you access to uh, an asset that they hold that, that's going to make your life um, better financially and as far as your your, your access goes, then absolutely. Um, it's... it's Invaluable, the, the in kind partnerships, they're, they're wonderful. Sorry, Fiona. Yeah, but the, the biggest issue that I have for living here in the, the country is the flights out from Tamworth to Sydney because I carry a lot of gear and everything, so I've got no other way to get into Sydney. So that's the issue that I find the hardest for my all my tournaments and everything that I need to compete in. So, Kips, are you aware of anything um, through your network, I guess? It's a loaded question. You might have to come back to me at a later <laughs> date, but here's the question. The question is, are you aware of any grants that are available through state, federal governments or any other sporting bodies that help uh, regional athletes to get to population centres for their training? Um, not specifically. The short answer is, um, is no, but the, with investigation, I'm sure... Uh, they're there without doubt. Look, the, the way we're funded as an academy network is through we, we have a business case submission that goes in and it's been considered right now for the next four years with the state government and, and then we have under the terms of that agreement certain deliverables that we must uh, make sure are, are actioned and report on. Um, so and, and that process sort of we're, we're not, we don't then qualify for a host of, of grants. But I know that um, Tamworth Regional Council would, will have uh, access to or they provide information on, on a range of grants and grant opportunities that are being promoted across different forms of government uh, and, and access to. And then it's, it's about finding, finding those grants and, and, and writing to them. Yeah. Uh, and and being really specific in in, in your your style of writing, uh, because really they get they, these people read a, a whole host of submissions, and it's it's those that are that are to the point, direct, short, sharp, um, that that often can succeed. So it's writing the story, painting the picture, and 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 saying this is what I'm going to deliver on. So clubs clubs, I'm just going to rattle back what I think I've heard. Clubs grants yeah. is a great opportunity. I know that that's a a quarterly thing. I think I used to chair that when I was on council. So the old CDSE expenditure, um, the clubs themselves, but they often refer you back to clubs grants because they're actually putting money into those programs anyway. Um, the local state member's office is probably another place to, to look at, or the federal member's office, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. then things like um, grants hubs and uh, sort of it's a collective place where you can find a lot of grants all in one space. So they're the sort of places you've got to start, but it's about putting fingers to keyboards or pen to paper, isn't it? 
Yeah, absolutely. And there's also, I mean, um, a good strategy that sort of helped us at the, the early on in the piece was I went around and spoke to a host of the, the boards from our region's clubs and told them this is sort of who we are, what we do, this is how we're, we're, we'll be operating. And um, they, they appreciate that. It's people, you know, telling your story to... To, to people and, and they'll invest in, if they see you're passionate about it, um, people will invest in that space. Because they have quarterly zone meetings as well, I think. They, they do. They may be back to those again now, so Clubs so, New South yes. Wales generally have those dates available somewhere. Yeah, we I used to know what they were too. Last year. Yeah, no, they, um, they floated. There was one uh, There's one tonight, actually, tomorrow morning in Armadale, uh, they, they, they float around our, our region, New England Northwest. Um, there's a race day region. today, mate. That's why there's a one tomorrow. Absolutely. There's a club's race day. Club's New South Wales. It's all about day. opportunity, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just I just worked it out. I'm, I'm a bit slow in my old age. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, there is. So it's um, you know, but they're good things to be able to. I, I obviously not this one tomorrow, but yeah. um, I I go to those quite often and and speak to to all the CEOs of the clubs around our region and, and speak to them and tell them who we are and what we're doing and, and get to sort of promote those clubs that support us and it's a really good uh, really good opportunity for engagement and, and that's what it's securing or sourcing um, income is, is or sponsorship partnerships is, is really about creating networks and, and trying to build relationships with people. Right, now just, just to wrap, I mean if I can Sorry, Rom. Well, one last question I was yeah. going to ask. For those of us that don't live in the in the elite athletic world, can you just give us a quick, um, probably for you, Fiona, and also James, the, a quick um, kind of timeline of what's to come before the big one, Paris? Is there is there a couple of events you've got to tick off along the way? I mean, COVID must restrict international things quite heftily. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm dealing with the vaccine part at the moment. I'm just in two minds with it, but I have to be vaccinated before I compete over in Thailand next year for the Worlds. But there's like the Nationals, which I have to win, and then the Oceanas, which is the teams from all around the Oceanas, which I have to win. (laughs) And then I have to go over to Thailand for the Worlds. And then, then after that is Birmingham, England for the Commonwealth Games, which... Great place, Birmingham. I have never Uh, ever been. Great place. Some really nice people born around Birmingham. (laughs) (laughs) Were you born there, were you, Mr. Coates? Really? Oh, how cool is that? And so there's that. And so para badminton's going to be... will be there for the first time. And it's like Tokyo as well. We're only sending one athlete to Tokyo. Yeah, so it's going to be really, really good for those. And then from there, I've got the Masters, the Masters Games, which is going to be the first time para Masters Games. You wouldn't be old enough, would you, for Masters? No, you have to be over 30. Oh, okay, that's all right. Yeah. Then. Then I, would, I would have got you at 29, see? That's why I was... Oh, bless you. <laughs> if, I was, if I was that, I could have got um, the Pfizer vaccine. So, no, I'm not allowed to. But um, then from there, then... It's Paris, baby. Woo! Coops is going to Paris, apparently. Is that right, mate? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be for maybe as a spectator if I win lotto, but um, <laughs> yeah, certainly not as a any form of any form of athlete. To be honest with you, though, Tokyo, I'm um, amazed. I, I, I can't wait to see how they're going to pull it 
together. Um, if there's crowds, if there's no crowds, I I suspect that from a, a business perspective, it's going to be one that's uh, the, the local economy and, and Japan is is not going to see the full effect of hosting no. or the benefit of, of an Olympics. No. And, and I think it's amazing if if they pull it off. Um, yeah, my God, but on, there's some but good on the upside, there. and on the upside, wouldn't you love to be Paris in 2024? Because everybody we want to go. I just want to be there. You know, yeah. like because yeah. Tokyo is going to be flat. And sorry, Tokyo, but it is going to be. Mm. Yeah. Um, mm. Paris must be just sitting back, going, "You beauty." Yeah, but then maybe yeah. Tokyo will be able to have this the story forever, and no one will ever forget the strange Absolutely. COVID Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if that's anything exciting to uh, talk about, but. <laughs> Well, no, Something. it's not wrong, but anyway, it is a good point. <laughs> it's a good point. I mean, like the Olympics, they'll never be this boring, will they? Oh, no. Oh, well, it'll be great on television. <laughs> yeah. It won't make any difference to me sitting in my lounge room, I'm <laughs> telling you. I'll still be cheering at the television. It'll look exactly the same. Keeps, right? keeps will be talking to the Cronulla boys. I mean, he doesn't have to be at the game to, ch- to cheer at them, do you, mate? And no, then, mate, no. And the same for Fiona. You just watch. It's, you sometimes it's, just easy, watch. Yeah. it's easy when you watch them on TV because you can just... Press the red button and <laughs> delete it from your mind, <laughs> which happens a lot this year. Now, you know, at the end of this, I uh, asked a loaded question. Um, Fiona, you probably need to have a chat to James or one of the boys at NIAS and see where they can help or you can help them and see what happens, eh? Yeah, that'd be really, really awesome. Expect yeah. a phone call, Coops. Sounds wonderful. Mate, thank you for your time today. I know you're down at that conference. Um, don't drink too many glasses of water, especially, especially <laughs> around the Wollongong area because it could be, you know, all kinds of things in it. Yeah, no, I'll, uh, I'll play safe. Don't worry, so I'm looking forward to coming home tomorrow. Thanks right. for your time, and James. We thank appreciate you, Fiona, it. for coming in and today. And Fiona, of course. No thank worries. You. Great to chat. Cheers. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.